As always, there probably won't be a thing that we talk about this evening that you don't already know. You haven't already heard, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of things before we forget. I'm going to ask you a question. Of course, you just answer this to yourself, not out loud. Have you ever heard someone criticizing a worship service after it was over? Someone, you know, you criticized, or maybe you did yourself. Things such as, um, we know that, that sermon was just way too long today, way too long. Or maybe it was too short. They didn't really probably prepare enough. It was too short of a sermon. Too much scripture in that sermon, way too much scripture. Not enough scripture in the sermon. The prayer was way too long, too long. The prayer was too short. The song leader was off key. When that guy sings, he always pitches it too high. When that guy sings, he pitches it too low. I just don't like that song. He always leads it, but I don't like it. Have you ever done or thought of those things? Maybe you haven't. But I'm here to tell you that I have thought those things before. But the thing of it is, is... Worship's not about you, and it's not about me. It's not, either about, it's not about you or me. That's not what we come here. We don't come here to put a man up on a pedestal. You know, you hear people say, um, well, I go, to, I go to John Doe's church. You'll hear people say things like that. No. No, we, we go to... to uh, the church of Christ, we go to worship God. And so it's really not, I understand some of these things I talked about, about, you know, some people are more interesting to hear than others. Some people have a monotone voice. Some people have a great presence when they're in front of people. But you can always learn something. When the Word of God's read from, you can learn something. So we need to remember those things. We tend to think that we're the audience, and we are, you are tonight. But really, if you think about it, when it comes to a worship service, God is the audience. We're worshiping God. And He's here to hear what we have to say and sing and pray to Him about. And we need to remember those things. Worship's not about man. It's God we must please, not man. It's not about Him. It's not about us. I mean, it's all about Him. It's not about us. We should not come to worship to be entertained. Now, you and I both know there are a lot of religious, if you would, or denominations, however you want to word it. Entertainment is, is a must. You've got to have lights and fog and really good singers and all kinds of things, people think, to worship God. But that's not true. Our worship today and all days that we gather is all about God. And Him only, not about man. 
We're to please God and not ourselves. In John 4.24, the Bible says that we're to worship in spirit and in truth. It says God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. To worship with understanding, we must be able to comprehend what's said and what's done during that worship service. We must appreciate the significance of each act of worship that we do here and think about what we're doing as we do those things. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord, Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, Jesus said, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. But man sometimes looks at uh, pomp and ceremony when they want to talk about a worship service. God looks at our heart and delights and being approached humbly and reverently. In Revelation 5.12, the Bible says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And that's so true because look at all that He's done for us. Just as Andrew talked about this morning, all the things He's done for us. We need to give God He wants what he wants and not what we want. Isn't that why we have all these denominations in our world? Because man said, well, I really don't like that part. I like this part. So we'll do more of this and not do any of that. And that's what I call, my term of that is a buffet religion. You know, I don't like broccoli too good, you know. So if I want a buffet, I kind of skip over the broccoli even though it's good for me, I'll just kind of skip over that. But I'll get more of something else. But religion doesn't need to be like that. We need to look at the Bible and do what God wants us to do, not what man wants us to do. So let's look at the different aspects of what we do each time we come to worship or each Sunday we come. I'll, I'll, I'll just say Sunday morning. Now we worship like we do tonight, and we, we have our services on Wednesday, and we have meetings and so on and so forth, but this is going to include everything that we did this morning, you might say. So we'll start with the Lord's Supper. This morning there were, there were emblems here on this table, and we partook of those. When you partook of that, or when you partake of that Lord's Supper, are your hearts focused on the sacrifice that was given? Or are you thinking about what I'm going to do after we get out, where we're going to go eat, what I'm going to do next week? You know, I've got a lot of bills I've got coming due, how I'm going to pay those. Are we thinking about all the worldly things, or are we focused in on what this means? Because at that moment in time, this is all that really matters is what that Lord's Supper represents. In 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 27, the Bible says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. No Christian, no Christian should 
should ever observe the Lord's Supper in any casual or flippant manner and treating it as something ordinary. Oh, that's just what we do. You know, it's just what we do. And, you know, we're going to have this many songs and we're going we're gonna to have a prayer or two and we're going to do this and then we're out and we're just going to do this. Every no, this is so important and the Bible has commanded us to observe it. But our mind needs to be focused there, not on worldly things. And I'm not saying it's, it's, not, easy, it's, it's not always easy to do. Worldly things pull us down. But you have to remember, you know, just because we come into this building, that doesn't mean Satan can't come through the doors. He's here. He's wanting to distract you. He doesn't want you to hear what the Word of God says. He wants you to think about the other things. He doesn't want you to discern the Lord's body. And that's something we need to think about more and more when we, when we partake of the Lord's Supper. It's an honor to partake of the Lord's Supper each Sunday. It reminds us that the sacrifice that was given for our sins. Because just as Andrew mentioned this morning about forgiveness, I mean, to think that all the things I've done all the things you've done that were not right in God's sight, and those are wiped clean, just like it never happened. It almost seems like that's a fairy tale. How could that be? How could that happen? But it's not. It's true, and we need to remember that sacrifice. Well, after that Lord's Supper or after the service someone usually talks about we've got boxes at the back or containers that you give money <clears throat> this money is a very important thing you know you hear the scripture misquoted it says money is the root, all, root of all evil but you know it's not right because it's the love of money that's the root of all evil Money is, a, is something that we operate on. That's something we do. We, we couldn't meet here without money. We couldn't support the evangelists that we support without money. We couldn't have food on our table without money. And you could, the list goes on and on. But the question to you and me tonight is, do we sacrifice for the Lord when we drop that money in that container? Or are we just leaving, leaving Him the crumbs that's left on the table? When we have our budget or we plan on giving, do we set aside this that we're going to give? Or do we say, well, when all the bills are all paid and all that's done, if I've got anything left over, I'll give that. That's the crumbs, in my opinion. That's the crumbs. God deserves more than crumbs. And so... That net money needs to be set aside, and you know that you're going to give that. And God will provide. He always does. In 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the, we're commanded to do this. On the first day of the week, let each of one of you lay aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And He does. 
love a cheerful giver. Some, but he doesn't want you to give just because, well, you know, uh, used to when we passed the plate. You know, probably some people might, in some circumstances, might put something in there because, well, what if they, you know, they don't see me putting anything in there? What are they going to think? Again, this is about God, not about man. So you just give what you can, what you can give, but please don't just give him the crumbs. We have preaching. Do we listen to what and hear what God has said? Again, if someone's not your favorite speaker, do you turn that person off and uh, not pay attention? Or do we listen? Because, like I said, whoever's up here and reads from the Bible, that's the inspired Word of God. It's not me speaking. It's not... Anybody else that gets up here. It's the Word of God. We need to listen to what it says. 2 Timothy, be diligent. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. That's what we try our best to do is rightly divide the Word of truth. To bring out scriptures that simply tell us how to live our lives. Can we look at Scripture and twist it where it says something else? Yeah. We can do that real easily. We can leave a word or two here or there out, or we can, you know, say, well, it really doesn't mean that. Our times have changed, and, you know, the Bible's outdated, so on and so forth. Not true. We all know that. But we have friends. We have relatives that may think that way. And so we come here to be edified, to be lifted up, to... Know and learn more. Because every time somebody gets up, gets up here and, and, and uh, brings up things in the Scripture, I'll think, you know, I never really thought about that. I never looked at that Scripture that way. I see what that really means, whereas maybe I used to think, eh, I'm really not sure what it means, but I'll look it up someday. And then I don't, perhaps. So I learn something if I listen. And my mind's not wandering I'll learn something every time I come. Also in 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God shows us how to live our lives. And that's what we are supposed to do while we're upon this earth, to live our lives for Him, to bring others with us to heaven one day. And lastly on this subject, 2 Timothy 4.2 the scripture here says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. So we're to do this. We're to do this. We're to te- preach the word. Okay, a moment ago, <clears throat> Jason led a prayer. Did you or I focus or concentrate on God during that prayer? Or again... Did your mind wonder? I have thought before what I mentioned at the beginning. Man, that's a long prayer. I didn't have the right attitude because isn't it a privilege for us to be able to speak to God, the creator of the universe, the one that gives us eternal life 
but I can't spare two or three minutes, but yet I can go home and watch a meaningless TV show for hours or a movie. And I think a thing about it. And I think, man, this is a long show. We need to keep our minds focused on what that prayer is, what that person's praying about, and be engaged into, into that. What does the Bible say about this? In, uh, in Philippians 4, starting in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything. So, in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In everything, by prayer, this scripture says. Matthew 7 and 7, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So if I want that brand new pickup, all I got to do is pray to God that I get that bread, brand new shiny pickup, and he'll, He's going to give it to me. No, probably not, because I don't need it. I got one that runs right now, right? God provides everything that we need, not everything we want, because we probably don't need, I don't need that, that particular item. But He'll give us what we need. 2 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. Did you ever think about how many people are in the, in the world? I looked it up a while back, but I can't remember. But there's a lot of people on this earth. And to think that God hears your and my prayer just like we're the only ones speaking to Him. He hears us individually. That's, that's mind-blowing to me, to think that the creator of the universe would stop and listen to my prayer. No matter what time of the day, no matter what circumstance, He's there. So prayer is such an important part of our worship as well. In Romans eight twenty six, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever prayed or tried to pray, and it's like the right words just don't come out? You know what you want to pray about, but it just it doesn't come out. It just doesn't come out. It's just not right. The Spirit... Which we have when we, we uh, are baptized in Christ, which we gain, intercedes for us. So, you know, in life, you'll talk to somebody about some problem you may have, and you may say, But you just really don't understand. You, you don't know what I'm going through. And as a man or a woman, that could be true, if, unless you've gone through that particular problem with in your life but you see God on the other hand he understands he does understand what you're going through and that's a blessing and to know that he does even if I can't get the right words out is amazing 
Now, there are wrong ways to worship. And I could go through a list of things that you should or shouldn't do, but in Matthew 15, starting in verse 8, the Bible says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We don't want our worship to be in vain. We don't want our worship to be worthless. We don't want our worship to be useless. We want it to mean something. We, we want to draw closer to God. And that's what we have to remember. That as long as we're focused on God, we're going to be okay. If we're, if we're focused on men, then no, we're probably not going to. We sang some songs a moment ago. And I just have to say, you've heard this a million times. You're going to hear, hear it a million and one that this is some of the best singing that, uh, that there is here at this congregation. It just really is. I mean, if you don't feel better after hearing the singing here, then I don't know if you're even alive or not, because it's, it's awesome. And we, we in the Church of Christ sing a cappella music. It's, there's no instruments mentioned in worship in the New Testament. And uh, there's, there's no better sound than voices that God gave us. In Colossians 3.16, the Bible says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5.19, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Now as awesome as that singing is, and it's so awesome because God gave us these voices. But then when you blend it all together with all the parts, it's just beautiful. But we have to be very careful that we're not so into blending that we forget about these words that we're singing. What are those words in the songbook that we're singing? What do they say? Am I doing what I'm singing or am I singing a lie? We have to remember what those words are. And I wonder, and I'm thinking to myself here, I'm not talking about any of you. If I am talking about any of you, I would ask you to go back and listen to Andrew's lesson on forgiveness today. So you'll forgive me. But when we sing a happy song, why aren't we smiling? Why are we you know, if the skies above your grave, you are feeling so blue. Yeah. Why aren't we not happy when we're singing those songs? There are songs that are not happy. Those are songs that are serious. They're all serious. But when you're singing a song about crucifixion or something to that effect, that's nothing to be happy that that happened to Jesus. But when we know we've got a home in heaven, sing to me of heaven, let me finally dream. We ought to be smiling about that. But I had an argument with that one time. I was in a singing group one time, a quartet, and I said, well, you know, when you sing bass, it's real hard to smile because, you know, you're, you're digging down deep to get that note out, and it's just hard to smile. But there's a way to do it. You can do it. But we need to think about those words that we're singing. What do they say? Just like we need to think about the words we're reading about in the Bible. Psalms 95.1, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. We should be joyful 
as we're singing these songs. So Jesus described worship to the Samaritan woman at at, uh, Jacob's well in John 4, and we've read part of this already, but we'll read a little bit beforehand. 421, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. There's the spirit and truth again. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. He says we must worship in spirit and truth. It doesn't say, you know, you can when you want to, or sometimes you can. As far as I know, when, it's, when a word, the word must is used, that means it's a requirement. That's what we're supposed to do. Man's often, has often been, been misdirected when it comes to worship. Back in Isaiah 2.8, their land is also full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. Jesus told Satan, only God is to be worshipped. And that is what we have to remember. God is to be worshipped. Man's not to be worshipped. But again, as I mentioned at the beginning, so many times worship is all, today worship is about entertainment and, and not about God. It's who's leading a solo and they have such a beautiful voice and I just want to hear them sing and sing again. But... We're not worshiping the person. We should be worshiping God. And uh, Luke 8, 4, 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So we need to love God with our whole being. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus said to him, and he's speaking about a lawyer that was trying to trick Jesus by asking him different questions. And he answered, you shall, Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What does that leave? Nothing. That's your whole being, heart, soul, and mind. And that's what we're to worship with. If our whole being is not into our worship, then it's really not very useful. We know from beginning of the Word of God that we're made in God's image. In Genesis 1.27, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. There's a lot of information in that short scripture. And just on a side note, and I'll move on, but because of the world we live in today, you see that that said male and female, He created them. Not do I think I'm a male, not, not do, I, do, I, do I know if I'm a female, I don't know. God said He created male and female. I'll stop and move on, but remember, we're made in God's image. We need to look at this scripture. Make sure that we don't turn this around and make sure that we're not uh, trying to make God in our image. That's not the purpose at all. We're, we're made in God's image. We don't need to assume how God wants us to worship. The Bible, as I mentioned tonight, tells us how we're to do that. Simply do what the Bible says. God doesn't make it complicated. Man makes it very complicated. Man's the one that's changed and, and 
misconstrued scriptures through the year. God never made it complicated. Ecclesiastes 5.1 says, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to, to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Walk prudently. In other words, guard your steps. In Ephesians 5.15, See then that you walk circumspectly. Another word, that don't, we don't, I don't use circumspectly very often. You may, I do not. But another way to say that is, uh, See then that you walk careful and safe, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Does God accept all worship? Another question for you. Does He accept all worship? The answer would be no. In Genesis 4, 3, it said, the Bible says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. You see, Abel's sacrifice was by faith, and Cain's sacrifice was not offered in faith, and faith is very important to our worship. We've not physically seen God, you know, like I physically see you and you see me, but we know He's there. There's too much evidence to know He's there. So it's very important that we have this faith that He exists. Romans 10, 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So as we have come here this evening, as we've come here numerous times, we hear the Word of God spoken. As you read your Bible at home, you hear the Word of God spoken. Not the Word of man, but the Word of God. Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and he, that He is rewarded for those who diligently seek Him. So faith is so important to our worship. I'm going to ask you to get your songbooks out, and I want you to turn to page 260. 260. Two hundred sixty, and we're going to sing this song. Oh, worship the.
Worship is not about you, and it's not about me. It's about God. It's about His Son. It's about what He's done for us and what He will do for us if we will obey the plan He has for us to obtain that salvation. You can't truly worship God unless you have put on Christ, unless you've been baptized and washed in His blood. You can't truly worship Him as He would like you to. You do not have the Spirit that He promised you. You do not have the assurance of eternal life without doing what He's asked us to do. And He doesn't make that complicated either. Again, man has made it complicated. He doesn't make it complicated. But as long as we remember that worship's about God, as long as we pay attention to what the Lord's Supper represents, the prayers mean, the preaching that comes from this pulpit and other places, and our singing is done the right way, we've, we've worshiped God as He wanted us to, and He'll be pleased with that. I hope that there's something in this you gained from this tonight. When I do lessons, most of them, 99.9% of them, you know, I could be pointing to you, but as they say, you know, there's three fingers pointing back at me. And I would hope that we would have a different mindset on, on our worship service and those that are, are leading that because... God's the one that we're, ta we're, worrying, we're not worrying about, the one that we're worshiping, not man. Thank you for your kind attention. That's all I have prepared tonight. But there is an invitation song that, that is going to be led here in just a minute. And we never want to leave our building here uh, in our worship service without offering that because perhaps there's someone here tonight that studied, understands what they need to do to become a Christian. And this would be a good night to do it. There's also people that may be hurting, may need some prayers for something. And that would be great too to pray for you, be privileged to do that. So if you're in either class, would you come forward and sit in the front pew as we stand and sing? <laughs>